0: Welcome to the Light Lounge. This is Thomas, I'm a lighting designer in New York City. Welcome everyone to 2019. I am very excited to kick off the new year with a very special episode. This time, the first time actually in front of a design audience, so I'm very excited. I speak with my best friend, one of my best friends, Clement Seipelt. He is based in Hong Kong. He's a lighting designer, senior associate at the lighting design company Lichtvision. Lichtvision has offices in Berlin, London and Hong Kong where Clemens is from or currently working and as he has a significant professional experience in the European market as well as the Asian market, we speak about differences, challenges, how physical exercise can support the mind and the creative process in in a fast-paced high-performance environment as Hong Kong is. We speak about trends and we speak about so much more. Every Monday a new episode is dropping. Enjoy the Light Lounge and I speak to you at the end and, of course, every Monday. Enjoy! (laughs) Welcome everyone to uh, the first episode of the year, the first Light Lounge here in New York City. Welcome back to 2019. Um, I'm very very excited I sit here in a small little headquarter in New York with uh, I would say two of my two of my best friends closest buddies um, two very world-renowned uh, lighting designers in the field um, we have in the background um, sidekick uh, Marius Biegmann, principal of us luminous lighting design, Um, a friend of ours uh, part in the event lighting, very active, very successful. Um, So we hear him clap in the background uh, to support our conversation. (laughs) Thank you. So this is our, this is sort of the first interview with actually an audience. Um, We sit here in Brooklyn and um, we are very excited and thrilled here. I have the conversation, um, the focus uh, today with uh, my friend Clemens. Uh,
1: Clemens, how are you today? Hey, Tommy, I'm flattered to be here, here in Brooklyn in the little headquarters of ours. Um, I'm really good. Yeah, sun is shining. We have a good time here Uh, meeting Meeting your your world, uh, us celebrating uh, New Year's. I'm I'm really good. Thanks.
0: That's that's absolutely exciting. Um, I think one thing that we recognized here since we arrived. So of course you're obviously visiting from Hong Kong, but we will get into that in a little bit. Um, is that how important actually actually daylight is in uh, in our world, and that we you probably have like a lot of daylight in Hong Kong, right? There must be like a ton.
1: We do, yes, it is hot it's um what is it it's tropical it's subtropical climate, uh we have tons of daylight, and hence the architecture is kind of adjusting to it, right, um no, I need it, and I feel sometimes i mean we have some some gloomy days here, and I really feel ooh, it's, it's I could need some more actually,
0: absolutely, um I think the yeah, the daylight, like this year or last year, became very apparent um, as I had been spending more time indoors than actually outdoors. Um, but yeah, the daylight is something that we that we crave for right now. And as we move through New York and look at different architecture, different lighting designs, uh, we actually try to be as much outside in in the sun as possible. Um, yeah, so we already mentioned that you are currently located in Hong Kong. Would you, would you be able to share a little bit where you're from, how you got into lighting, how we got to know each other, and what like a little bit the journey, how you became what you are today and what you're doing today?
1: Yeah, interesting how I just ended, ended up living now almost five years in Hong Kong doing lighting design. Um, I started my, let's say, career. Career is a weird word. Um, Started as a as a stagehand for lighting installations and concerts um, in Germany, getting in touch with lighting event lighting first, and yeah, it took me from there studying architectural lighting design at Hildesheim in Germany,
0: <coughs>
1: the bachelor's of um, uh. arts arts um studying every now yeah studying all over the place basically uh, in peru in in sweden and in stockholm and the masters um yeah and finally ending up somehow in in hong kong by almost by chance actually not really never really wanted to go over there but yeah I'm just i just d- i and that's it.
0: that's always something i completely admired about you that you are very adventurous you never stop exploring <laughs> and you you threw yourself into like into situations where you would force yourself to figure out new things and learn new things so for example when you went to Peru I always said admi- like, you went there without like sort of a legit understanding of Spanish and you just went there and learned it by doing um, I I how was the experience, like in terms of the language? Um, as everything is communication and lighting as well, that's, of course, something potentially connected. Do you remember how it was when you went there? Did you figure it out? And you were uh, working in a lighting design company in
1: Peru as well, right? How, how, yeah. how, do you, how do you remember how was that? Well, I didn't really think about anything moving there. I didn't even know the currency a couple of days before. Um, so it just it was a very spontaneous thing applying there for an exchange program and just jumped into it, just jumped right into it without any knowledge of Spanish at all. Uh, had good friends, had good community, um, got a, yeah, just made very, very nice, good friends. Um, so learned the language very quickly. Um, and that that is definitely a definitely door opener. I mean, if you know Spanish over there in South America, which also led then to a <coughs> my first my first job as a lighting designer without any any prior uh, experience in lighting design actually just jumped in, just jumped right into it and and really had a really good time in a small lighting lighting firm yeah
0: that's, I think I remember we were, and that's something we talked about yesterday as well, is one of the one of the great events of the industry is the light and building. One of the, I think, the large, largest lighting design event where manufacturers um, display their newest products. And, of course, lighting designers, interior designers, architects are around to get the latest and greatest sort of knowledge. But I remember we were, I think, actually standing at the Airco booth. And I remember that you came back and you mentioned, yeah... I just talked to someone potentially moving to Hong Kong. Do you do you remember that? It was like you didn't put down like a, like a, did you put down like a proper, um, plan to doing that? Plan or like a, like an application or, because I remember as you are, you just, you, you're, a, you're a connector, you know a lot of people in the industry. And I remember it was, it was like a moment. Yeah, I just spoke to this one and she told me, yeah, let's, let's meet there. And then two days later you were in Hong Kong. How, do you remember? Yeah, how I was
1: went? actually working every now and then at Licht, Licht Vision, Licht Vision, Light Vision. It's <laughs> a, German word not German name no everyone basically speaks it out differently um working starting as an intern in there in Berlin in their Berlin headquarters um and working every now and then between my studies in Peru my my works in Chile uh, or my my masters in in Stockholm and my actual plan that's quite a funny thing because actually what I wanted to do is um moving to South Africa just because, right? Um, and the day I figured out that it's actually not as easy because the lighting industry and the yeah you know, yeah the whole industry isn't really like existing to that extent I thought it would. So I just I yeah I got the negative reply of like actually <laughs> it's gonna be quite tricky moving there and starting a life or in, Africa, how, South in, Africa. in South Africa and, yeah. and 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 Cape Town and actually I think like. Ten minutes later, I spoke to the uh, local local director Mike um, in, in Hong Kong, and just chatting and like, hey, mom. from Lichtvision in Hong Kong. From Lichtvision, yeah. Um, speaking with her and just like, it was just more like a, a side note of like, hey, how's it going over there? Do you need maybe some people just helping out for like a couple of weeks or month or whatever? And yeah just got the positive reply and i think like two two weeks later i was sitting in the plane Amazing. flying over to hong kong and then i think since since then i just never left
0: right but you were already next to your program next to your bachelor's of la- of art bachelor of art in lighting in hildesheim you were already working with the berlin headquarters of Lichtvision, and then you sort of ask her internally yeah. sort of so you knew kind of her. slipped
1: in yeah i kind of knew knew her already yeah okay but really never never had any any feelings for asia i never yeah. never showed any interest of, of, of asia the, the culture and just the whole asian world over there yeah far from home crazy
0: yeah it could not be further away how do you so as you have worked um on a couple of um Amazing projects in, in Europe and in Germany from Berlin with the headquarter. Did, did you recognize a change in of course culture, <laughs> a big shift, but did you, did you recognize any shift in the design process? Is the design process sort of almost the same, or what is the biggest difference uh, that you recognize between like Germany
1: and, and Hong Kong? I think speed time time is way tighter over there than, than I feel you have in, in Germany, or Europe, where things are just slower. Um, yeah, so you, you really like, I just got right into it. The day I arrived, we just I felt this speed, this crazy speed, or development, this quick development of, of things happening. So does so the design, and so do the design yeah, developments and, and processes. That's kind of crazy. Um, but I quite enjoy it, to be honest. So just like better, being a little bit more efficient. And so I think the outcome is often just better because, or, or different, let's say. So you just have less time to like spend of like scribbling and like figuring things out over days or weeks, to which leads then to final nice product. Um, yeah.
0: What is mo- probably like, maybe it fits like. I don't know correct me if that's if that's wrong, but the saying uh, 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 better done than perfect maybe there is a maybe, maybe there's a fine line that you just have to make decisions and you are forced to focus probably more right
1: yeah for sure definitely i also I also feel things are getting differently communicated, way more visual, so just where the German average dude just <laughs> writes. Huge emails, emails. yeah. yeah. They are like um, maybe similar what you experience here in the US, where people are just like an email. is not as formal letter, let's say, right? I think we German, we we take this this email very very formal. Here it's more like a chat, right? Over yeah. there in 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 Hong Kong as well. Um, so just keeping it short, keeping it tight, and yeah. like communicating very very visual visually, mm-hmm. like right that's kind of yeah and it fits me it suits me i think like this fast pace and yeah
0: do you communicate with do you in order to communicate do you use email mainly or do you for example use I don't know WhatsApp as well, or uh, other other things that are. What is it? Line? No. What's the? What's the? I think yeah. Um, many
1: people, especially working with the mainland China, um, they use WeChat a lot. Like even like in business contacts. Yeah, in business contacts, we use WhatsApp a little bit. I try to keep it. I, I try to keep it to. Personal to personal use. Yeah, yeah to yeah. personal use. I think that. I mean, the fine line between personal, personal yeah. and professional life. I really try to maintain or try to keep it separate and trying to manage my work life balance which is sometimes a little bit unbalanced um to really separate also my my personal phone and not merging these two worlds
0: yeah that's yeah. A, probably a big one you mentioned also in a conversation we had before that you would so you are definitely a guy of like the extremes in terms of the places you lived, uh, the languages you speak, and the things you throw yourself into, and of course, Lithuania in Hong Kong, uh, in the way how you describe it, is a is a very high performance place in itself. Um, you mentioned that you would not be able to do potentially not be able to do the job if you would not have your exercise in. Um, in boxing, capoeira, um, downhill riding, and these are all things Hong Kong is like probably a great place to be in. Do you think that your your sports um, influences your work, or how 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 yeah how do these things need each other? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure where the question is actually leading. No, interesting but, question,
1: an interesting but topic. a
0: lot of a lot of a lot of um, a lot of uh, high performers. Um, mentally and creative high performers, they usually have like sort of a, a balance of like the body needs to be strong that the mind can sort of follow. Is there something
1: you Yeah, I think I wouldn't be as as hardworking, as efficient if I wouldn't if I wouldn't have this this opportunity, the the city with its landscape for like downhill mountain biking or yeah the great opportunities to like yeah having nice boxing gyms or like yeah Asian Martial art gyms around. Um, yeah, if I wouldn't have that op- opportunity or option there, I would. I would not work as crazy as we do over there. I wouldn't be. Yeah, but that's very personal as well. I think as other people they probably don't need it, but I just really need it, and I think that kind of um, boosts me even more, which I really need. And I think that's that's good advice for everyone. I think for the whole lighting world, or for the whole industry, for the whole design world. Like, man get your ass moving and just create and and yeah so it's get the juices flowing yeah yeah exactly
0: in terms of project work are you able to share a little bit what the what kind of a project let's say over the last two three four years was either super challenging or was super fun or something like a project you're potentially super proud of that pops up to your mind
1: like right away Coming from Berlin, where we mainly worked on like smaller scale projects, yeah. Every now and then there was a big museum in or like a shopping mall as well. But um, coming to Hong Kong, I think just it just got large scale throughout, right? Um, we got so many big projects, malls, mixed use developments, or or large scale infrastructure projects, which were really challenging at the beginning. But you get really used to it. I got really, really yeah, used to it to the scale, to the sheer scale of things, right? Like, yeah, from, from shop design, what we were previously doing, to airports. It's it's crazy. But, yeah, it just, you adapt to it. But it was challenging, yeah. It is still challenging.
0: Yeah. L- like, uh, what kind of b- smaller scale projects did you do in, in Berlin before? Was it... Like more restaurants, hospitality, or, were ch- was it more in the retail shop area, or was
1: it? Yeah, we had smaller, smaller hotels. We had dentist, dentists' practices, mm-hmm. um, these kind of things. Smaller malls, smaller shops, stuff like that. Like cozy stuff where you can really like, yeah, you know, lose yourself in details as well. Um, museums like high profile museums um where where the, where detailed work is so important because it just needs to be neat and tight and and just perfect right um well yeah maybe the, the the asian the Asian design it's sometimes really what you said before better get it done than then perfect perfect than yeah. perfect, perfect to the end, yeah.
0: And that's well maybe that describes a little bit that's on the one hand the opportunity the asian market actually has because there is so much growth there and so many people that just want to build and do stuff um but at the same time yeah it it it's just an amazing pl- it seems like an amazing place to explore um m- much more different much more different designs and much more different things do you do you feel so th- me thinking about and potentially listeners as well thinking about large scale projects and airports um always a very interesting place because it's always like a transit zone um how do you manage to build how do you manage to build like smaller moments in such a large scale project or do you actually build moments in there do you have like i don't know like a like a like a rhythm or like sort of like when a person enters the space and has like sort of a sequence coming from sort of beginning to
1: end how do you approach like a large-scale project like this it's tricky you can't really i think the the freedom of playing around is a little bit limited just due to these 24 7 operating machines right and you can't really you can't really express yourself as you uh, as you would when doing uh, a cozy hotel something residential, or like even a shop, like a staged situation in a, in a, in a, in a yeah, in a, in a, a restaurant in or a restaurant, restaurant like a feature like that. wall or exactly, something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, but there's they're still, uh, since since it's a machine, it's a really like a, um, a functioning machine, you can still, or we try hard to still implement certain, well, contrasts where you can play around a little bit, features here or there. I mean, highly depending on the architecture, obviously, because obviously, where when you, whenever you build a, an airport, the, the architects are quite strong and they have a strong opinion because just yeah, you know, the fact that they are that position, they they typically they have a big opinion. But it's it's great because typically, what I experience, is there's a good exchange between us and the architects, and we we typically have enough enough space, enough room to explore things together and opportunities for um for the passengers to to relax um in small corners where you can just like then play around a little bit more and create something exciting. Are VIP
0: lounges or or like freak like are there like yeah VIP areas that you that you design as well or are there like company designers that focus on, I don't know, let's say like JetBlue or whatever whatever there is, like many of the international like lufthansa lounge or
1: are these areas
0: that you consider as well and just speaking about like air- airports
1: yeah yeah th- those those areas are potentially where we can play around a little bit more uh, other yeah. than like the public circulation areas which right. are yeah are these highly
0: regulated in terms of i don't know like light levels or or um contrast levels ratios that you need to consider yeah this is a
1: that's a general thing what we all criticize, I guess what I hear from my lighting buddies all over the all over the world that people are just really stick to these norms and regulations too much. We try to break it every now and a little bit uh, every now and then, but it's still i mean well if something goes wrong, clients typically refer back to those regulations just right. to right so it's a bit it's a bit tricky these public areas um, and people typically typically stick to regulations and and are really like are quite anal about it right it's, it's it's horrible actually but well understandable on the other side as well
0: i think do you think it's like a part of the let's say lack of knowledge or maybe fear that people don't really understand lighting that they try to bounce back on like sort of stand, certainly st- certainly c- standards yeah yeah because uh, have you ever heard about anyone any lighting designer ever got sued of course there's like potential like discussions about it that something is not bright enough and of course there are like security checks from firefighters or the city that comes in and checks light levels like outdoors as well as indoors and checks like, okay, this is like a moonlight condition and we still need to have this and this brightness level where it makes sense. But usually there's always some sort of, if you are able to communicate it in a way and it makes sense, even from a security standpoint, have you ever heard about anyone getting,
1: getting sued? Never. I mean, by the end of the day, it's light, right? And people adjust adapt to it. And that's the tricky part to communicate, like well even if it's below whatever 200 lux it's you're gonna see you're gonna see enough depending on on adaptation and 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 illuminance ratios obviously as well um
0: i just remember from our from our um undergrad a com- a conversation we had with um professor paul Schmitz, um talking about uh, street lighting and how much flicker is allowed and how much how lighting can impact traffic and that potentially someone could sue the city for i don't know like having a car accident but i I, it must be also so tricky to prove that lighting in a car accident is was the driving factor
1: right i mean it's yeah, I mean the difference between like a small residential object or a pro- uh, project and and a, and a cityscape and uh, the public realm it's like there's an investment a, a municipality has to do for the next 50 years or something right mm-hmm. and whatever you can you you design for a small retail shop is just so so short-living and right. I mean yeah, once it doesn't really work you can just switch it it's not a big thing hence well, hence this long-term investment for communities, which is like a huge mm. cost impact as well. They um, try to be more conservative. They try to be more conservative. They don't really dare to to explore the the current potential of technology as well. Right? So we see or we hear is smart here, smart there, but it's never been implemented. Like it's, I barely see any any city implementing like a smart concept for street lighting or so on. Smart concept? You mean? Uh, well, it doesn't really exist. I, ha- I haven't seen any like. And what is it then? It's dimming by the end of the day. Whatever right, it's smart what, yeah. is it's dimming down and up. Nothing else. So what? Uh, but even then, it's it's tricky. I think to. I
0: remember a couple of years ago, actually, maybe already like three and a half years, four years ago. Um, I remember um, <laughs> what's his name, <laughs> Nolte, uh, Henrik Nolte Henry from Nolte. Germany, working at um. What's his name? Uh, Sch- uh, Schmitz Lighting and Metal Works or something. I remember. They did. They did. They did a car park, but it was a pilot project as well, where they had, um, I think, a car park or a part of a street, like somewhere in the German mountains, where they would actually have like uh, sensors to 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 track motion and build up like lights in terms of there's only energy used and lights where the car is actually going. I need to. I need to c- reconnect with him, but. Yeah, this is um, this is probably in the making that a lot of cities are, but probably like more because all the all the all the other cities are just trying to get on the LED train and that there are probably some small cities and listeners that know potentially better about it please please contact me if you if something pops up, up is that there are some cities that probably experiment with it and and yeah it would are, be great to know
1: about it right yeah,
0: yeah there think. are big big companies that have like of course a financial um, interest in 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 these kind of projects as well coming a little bit back to uh, the language and communicating ideas do you f- experience, of course, you are absolutely fluent in English um, in working in an English environment, international environment. Uh, do you experience moments where you <coughs> where you where you receive or you think there are like boundaries in terms of, okay, now this is hard ways to communicate, or maybe I just answered myself thinking about what kind of person you are that you come up with other solutions or other ideas if there is something in your way? Um, what are challenges working on an international level?
1: Of course, language is a, is a big thing. But I think, as we all are all smart, we just get into the language <laughs> thing so quickly. And I mean, I, I, almost, I almost forget my German. And my, my German, if I am now traveling back for Christmas uh, to Germany, it takes two days to get really into the German language again, right? So you, you adapt so quickly. Or certain words I I just forget in German and for example <laughs> <laughs> and forgot <laughs> <laughs> and forgot already <laughs> and just replace them with English where it's just so easier to to just like it just shoots out like like out of the pistol. Uh, I think it's a tongue. It's like speaking for a long
0: time in German, you just use a different part of your tongue and probably with Spanish even more crazy where you use much more the tip of the tongue where you have more sizzling sounds.
1: Yeah. Totally true.
0: Do you see see specific trends or things that are new and of course controlled is potentially a thing that is, at, at least I'm observing, is something that's drastically changing. But in in yeah do you th- do you see any anything new in terms of maybe technology but as well as in design that you recognize okay i'm looking at reference projects from other designers do you see potentially influences of
1: i personally perceive the topic lighting getting being more and more present also in other people's heads so being aware of it and being aware of its importance i think yeah generally people just learn and and getting educated slowly by all these lighting designers around the world and and this awareness for it and then the the crave for having a lighting designer on board that i think is a really positive development of the whole industry or the whole design field or architectural field because yeah where you previously didn't have a lighting designer on board Now you have one and I think it's such an additional value and just that fact that people or architects or interior interior designers, they're just aware of it and they need one and they just see the need and the additional value they get from from us. um, That's a positive development. And, well, could we maybe call it a trend? So that, yeah. Probably
0: we are on a good... Uh, in a in a, a, in a strong way. moment in yeah. time where a lot of dynamic, uh, a lot of flow and a lot of upside is happening in the industry, yeah. Do you have to feel? Do you have do you have the feeling that you still have to educate your clients a lot, or do the the architects and developers you work with already have a quite good understanding? Are there things you propose in a design
1: that people understand immediately, or is there like? Still we still do educate, I mean, we we still we still need to explain that you can't light a black wall. You can't just light it; it doesn't work. Um, every now and then, yes, we we do we do we do have to educate even the the most obvious things, which are probably just obvious for us, having studied it and having being in touch with light and its properties, like almost every day. But there's generally a a greater awareness by now, I feel. But still, it's still, it's fun to educate, I feel. Explaining people something and they're getting the aha moment from the other person on the other side and it's like, ah, yes, it's worked. And and yeah, it's a good, it's a great feeling.
0: How is the, how is how's there education in, in Hong Kong or China that you can, where you can study um, not too
1: much. I think they have well architectural um, studies uh, programs. They have s- smaller, yeah, smaller. I think classes courses, of courses, classes yeah. of, mm-hmm. of of lighting, where yeah, where you get a to touch a little bit with with that topic. But like in like in a study, like like we passed through. I think I had never heard about anything like that. Over there:
0: How large is the team in, in the Hong Kong office right now?
1: Um, we are eight. We're a small team. Um, well, using quite some resources from our, from our European colleagues in, in London and in Berlin. But it's a small, strong team, um, hard-working people, great team, good team spirit, I think. Um, well, we have a lot of fun, and we just work hard and play hard. It's, it's, yeah, it's great fun.
0: And when you have a great team, you come up with unusual solutions oh, sure. that you would never come up with um, in a regular context. Um, if things are tight, uh, that's amazing. Uh, how many, how many, uh, how many clients do you have internationally? And how many clients are actually from China or Hong Kong? Is there like, a f- like, sort of like, like a rough percentage?
1: I think it's almost like sixty forty. Sixty like ch- China, yeah, China. China makes the bulk of our projects. Still, yeah. it's amazing. It's crazy. So much. Uh, it's such a huge country. So many cities developing incredible, incredible um, architecture and projects. So yeah, it's, the focus is definitely China. What was the most fun project? So we
0: talked about large scale projects and challenges. What What was like a fun project?
1: Something that comes up to I mind where you thought th- this was really. That was that was fun. Stepping up onto the ladder and and adjusting a, a smaller um, museum project. It was a temporary exhibition, uh, but we we with a incredibly low budget did still a great job and hands-on, absolutely hands-on. For example, what do you mean by hands-on? Um using existing existing fixtures um luminaires um modifying them with like smallest budget to perform in the way we needed it and and then just being the one yeah being on the ladder and and focusing it um that's typically something we don't or i don't really do just um yeah being typically more in front of my computer and writing emails but that was quite fun and i think i, I definitely could have more more of these, that. These these kind of projects in my in my portfolio. The it's rock and roll fun. times from a little bit. The rock and roll times from back in the days when I actually came in touch with the whole lighting topic.
0: The yeah. leatherman tool, the duct tape, or the um, the gaffer tape um, <laughs> <laughs> filter and Excellent. meters yeah. and foots and feet of of tape to make something work. That sounds uh, sounds absolutely amazing. What was the project? Is it is probably not running anymore. But no, it was just
1: like a, a two month exhibition or one month exhibition. Okay. Very very short, yeah. short term.
0: Well, it sounds like a like a wonderful um, um, like two pole thing that you have on the one hand these amazingly crazy large scale projects, but at the same time moments where you can sort of get your get your hands into the field and on a on a par can again. Perfect. Um, well, excellent. What? So I think I remember um, that you were, that you're probably always looking for talented uh, designers and people to potentially extend your team, um, even if it is not now immediately. But uh, I think there are so many projects coming up for China that um, what would be an ideal candidate that you would potentially looking for to hire? What What kind of values do you think are important for your team in Hong Kong at least what you what you have.
1: Yeah we're definitely looking for people um constantly just because we're growing actually slowly but steadily um always looking for people just open minded people um spontaneous um hardworking being able to co- to communicate, um, well, obviously educated in lighting, um, with a good team spirit and just like uh, hands-on people, with a, with a good spirit. I mean, we don't really necessarily need people speaking Mandarin. Um, obviously, this is something for especially for the Chinese market even better, and for certain projects definitely required. But I think a good team spirit um, and a, a good as communication is so important, a good way to express yourself. So these kind of values are, I, I feel, or I've, I've learned in the last couple of years are so important. Other than like solid skills, which you learn on the way anyway, right? You're getting educated by the projects or by your colleagues on the way, anyways. But I mean, the foundation of being open-minded and, yeah, and open and and, yeah. Do you have specific things that inspire you? I think Hong Kong itself inspires me a lot by its architecture, by its pace, by its lifestyle. What's what is so what's the craziest thing about Hong Kong? The height, the height of the it's incredibly high. Comparing here (laughs) with like Brooklyn, where you are in in currently, Hong Kong is crazy high, I feel. I thought New York would be high, but Hong Kong is crazy high. Things you can do good in Hong Kong. You can you can have a good pint everywhere <laughs> after work, wherever you go. And you find great people all over the place. So connecting to great forward-looking, open-minded people, that's something I really I really I really enjoy in Hong Kong since it's such an expert city where people are coming from all over the world, Right. for short term or long term. But it's not a it's not a city where like existing existing group they just cocoon themselves. I I meet people which are yeah, I just open minded people all over the place and and a great vibe. Yeah, defining this this great developing or yeah. Forward, forward-thinking mindset. That's that's a great value of the city. Uh,
0: thank you so much for your time. I think uh, Lithvision Hong Kong and Lithvision in general seems like an amazing office, and is uh, sort of uh, being able to span projects from uh, from London, uh, London, Germany, Hong Kong. So certainly Europe covered, Europe covered, and and the Asian market um, about to conquer and even conquer more. Um, so every, uh, every one of the listeners, um, please get in touch with Clemens. I will put his contact details, um, in, uh, in the show notes. Uh, so yeah, Clemens, that was wonderful. I'm, I'm still looking forward uh, to a couple of more days here in New York to explore a little bit more architecture and lighting design projects. Um, Yeah, uh, thank you so much for your time, for the great conversation and the insight into uh, Hong Kong-based international lighting designer and uh, yeah, all the best and uh, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks. Also, thank you for our audience here and the silent sidekick. Wow. Thank you so much. That was the first episode in 2019. Every Monday, a new episode of the Light Lounge. I'm super excited about the project and uh, I get a lot of positive feedback. So uh, thank you so much for being on the journey and thank you so much for tuning in, listening to, uh, to the insights of our lighting design industry. As usual, I put the contact details of Clemens in the show notes. If you want to say hi, just reach out on Instagram, Thomas underscore And uh, yeah, reach out to me, say hi. Um, also on LinkedIn, Thomas Thanks Thank you so much for being on the journey. I'm looking forward to next week and I remain, as always, very excited. Thank you so much. Enjoy the first days of 2019. Um, yeah. I, 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 I can't say more. I'm looking forward to see you all. Thank you. Much love. Thomas here from New York City.